Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of I Don't Mean to Be Rude. Here we are again, and as you can probably see, we are always changing our background, but that's that's just how it goes. Today we wanna we wanna talk to you about science and some misconceptions and some breakthroughs that that always go around it. But I think I think that these days, where everybody gets a platform, uh, it's also easier to get offended or have an opinion. What do you guys want to start off by saying? Um, that science should be welcome too, as as it has in history, to other opinions, let's say questioning, let's say the truth of the study per se, um, whereas today it's more about silencing the other opinion without having an open discussion, which is wrong. So I think like discussing this and the development of science and how we've had misconceptions and breakthroughs throughout time is will be an interesting topic as a whole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think that science is a good thing that it keeps changing and uh, we should embrace it. And, um, well, of course, there's going to be always a lot of discussion whether it's um, changing for the good or the bad because there's also like different ways of doing the same, I don't know, uh, predictions there sometimes. Uh, we're going to talk about this later, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's uh, times, of course, where predictions have been terribly misleading and um, that's, of course, how science works. Uh, but there's also, I think, a lot of many times political um, influence on, on what should and what should not be published, and especially regarding oil and other stuff like that. So um, managing all of this can be quite a challenge, especially as a consumer of normal information like everyone is. Well, let me pick on something Etty said. You were talking about people getting silenced for for their opinion or for whatever input they had for the current state of science, but... Looking at it from the, I would say, a medieval perspective, isn't this what happened all the time? Like um, when when you had the church silencing scientists because whatever they were theorizing was against the law of God or the rule of God. And I don't mean to to trash on the church, but it's not a it's not like uh, unknown to everybody that there were executions and imprisonments because people that actually had a scientific approach and had a theory that. Uh, ended up being proven correct were just silenced because it was ungodly of people to to assume that completely correct I and mean, i and it's just a different form of silencing that happens today when you feel like that it's quite interesting i remember quite vividly that um especially when it goes to the church and science that the church was sil- silencing the scientists because it would lead to less people let's say going to church and they were also collecting tax dollars or something throughout that method, I don't remember exactly how, um, either through people doing offerings in the church, donating to God, or them also being, because it wasn't like a secondary, we have a secluded society now where the church is separated from state, it was one before, um, and scientists were silenced in that regard, now it just differs, differs means where different opinion, different opinions get silenced through like removing income streams, just making life difficult as a whole, so... Yeah, you're right. It's just a different form of silencing when you look at it from that point. Well, and we supposedly evolved a lot from that time, so it's like so funny that that's still happening. Let me put a thought yeah. out there because now we are living in our own biased views of how things work, and maybe in two hundred or three hundred years from now, people that are going to be watching this podcast hopefully are going to be like, "Oh, these guys were fucking blindsided." Like uh, the government or whoever was. Um, Whoever was 
tasked with being the curator of information was just blind signing them all the time and uh, in the same way you had maybe religion curating for knowledge now you have some sort of other entity curating for knowledge and and uh, and we don't see it because it's also tricky it's not straightforward to identify what's true and what's not who has actually done a fact-based uh, a scientific approach to something and who has not and i think this is the perfect segue to one of our first examples because this i would say that this podcast is more going to be about us reflecting on examples on how science has been misused or or wrongly done by and um and yeah we also want your opinions on this so let's start with one example one example was one that the one that got a lot of attention now which was tom cruise and tom cruise eight years ago about a year ago was saying that depression was not um a product of chemical um processes happening inside our body that it had nothing to do with with uh, chemical processes and uh, at a time they call bullshit because so far there are medications that do help and are registered to help with depression but not necessarily but they do not necessarily go directly at the source of the problem do you guys have some for some sort of introducing uh, um, points to this yeah no you you hit the nail on the head like it doesn't there's no chemical imbalance related to depression and as you said, like taking drugs that's like, like Ritalin or Adderall or whatever, you don't deal with the source. It's just like mind-altering drugs. So you don't deal with the inherent problem. And what the problem with it is that also he was branded crazy and deluded for this opinion back then. And yeah, people didn't know better, but there was not a clear scientific opinion stating that this was true. Um, and now, eight years later, science has come to his aid to prove that he was right all along, proving that he was a base person at that point in time. But... People were not ready to hear the truth, um, which makes the clip very interesting and the reason why it has been resurfacing now again as well. So should we just send or step into the clip that you prepared for us? Well, let's sure. see. Right, let's for see me, it's going to be the first time I see it, so it's going to be a completely honest reaction. Okay, let's let's give it a, 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 a turn. They do. Aren't there examples, and might not Brook Shields be an example of someone who benefited? from one of those drugs. All it does is mask the problem, Matt. And if you understand the history of it, it masks the problem. That's what it does. That's all it does. You're not getting to the reason why. There is no such thing as a chemical imbalance. So in postpartum depression to you is, is Matt, kind of a little psychological goog gobbledygook? Matt, no, no, I did not say that. I'm just asking, what, you, no, what would you no, call it? Abs that Matt, that is, that post now, now you're talking about two different things. But that's what she went on the no. antidepressant for. But what happens the antidepressant, all it does is mask the problem. There's ways of vitamins and through exercise and various things. I'm not saying that that isn't real. That's not what I'm saying. That's an alteration of what, what I'm saying. I'm saying that drugs aren't the answer, that these, these drugs are very dangerous. They're mind-altering, antipsychotic drugs. And there are ways of doing it without that so that we don't end up in a brave new world. The thing that I'm saying about Brooke is that there's misinformation, okay, and she doesn't understand the history of psychiatry. Yeah. She, the, she doesn't understand in the same way yeah. that you don't understand well, it, man. So also he got a lot well, of a little bit what you're saying time. And one thing I'm going to leave to you because I think you asked something to say, which we talked about in our previous podcast, is like when you have an opinion and people say, so you're saying that, it's something that is apparent here, this interview too. But yeah, go ahead, Yogo. No, it's just like uh, I find it so funny because the last podcast we also had like a, a clip of this girl. 
uh, insurging against the governor or Senator Halsley. What was his name? Halsey. Yeah. And um, I, I found it like pretty much the same thing with this interviewer. He's probably also connects card with it somehow with depression or some, something else that happened in his life. And that probably made him also react quite uh, heavily and, and not in the best possible way possible, like in the best possible way. So I think he also got a little bit misstepping by um, altering what he said. Like he never said that it's not a problem. He just said that drugs are not the problem, are not the solution. I think at least. And um, go ahead, you go finish up. No, just to say, like uh, I also am a true believer of that. I also think that we should always try and uh, prevent first. So of course, trying to do everything that you can in our power to not reach the state where you feel like you're depressed. And definitely, when you feel like you like you are, you should always start by searching for how not to be depressed by the most natural ways possible, and never resort to these heavy, heavy drugs, which they are. And they leave you completely numbed many of the times. I have some close friends with parents who sometimes have gone into these, uh, into these meds and they turn completely numb. Like it's, uh, scary actually to see. Well, as, as I said before, I think there are indeed some cases where drugs help, but it doesn't need to be the heavy, heavier spectrum of them because of, of course, uh, they, they alter. A chemical balance on, in you it doesn't mean that it's going to be the chemical balance response, chemical balance or imbalance that was theorized to be the one responsible for your psychological stability. Um, but it's <clears throat> it's undeniable that we depend on a lot of um, um, chemicals produced within our body for some of our reactions. For instance, just as a small detail, I was seeing a coworker the other day giving like a farewell speech and it was quite visible that he was shaking and this type of reaction is is um also associated with some some release of adrenaline for instance because he's like socially anxious so he doesn't like to do these social speeches and something rushes his body where he kind of loses control of himself and as opposed to what we we are now we're just discussing and i feel totally in control of my body but at that moment he was doing that and i think these drugs do attack some of the side effects of anxiety that might come with um, with psychological imbalance not going to call it a chemical imbalance but but yeah in the end of the day it's dangerous if you, if you go to the further spectrum of it and you just go for a heavy thing that just leave you that leaves you as you were saying numb or without a reaction that that's not how you want to see people going for it and well Just to kick off our, our subject, we started off with science and people uh, and in being hard to to agree on what's true or not. And I'll say also being able to read what's a misconception. And at this point, I think Tom Cruise was brave enough to, to state his own opinion and he had his, uh, his sources. But the, the other guy was just poking at him to see where he where he broke. And in, in this sense, I think it's yeah. a, I think it's a I nice... Think we should also Go ahead, go ahead. I think you should also just like uh, take everything that uh, um, Tom Cruise. I don't want to, I, I don't mean to be rude here again, but like uh, we also have to take it with a pinch of salt because this is a guy he used to pay for, I don't know if he's still paying, uh, he used to pay for knowing more about his own religion. So I don't know if you guys know how science. You mean the Scientology? Yeah. Thing, I, mean. <laughs> I don't know if, if you guys know yeah, how it works. So it's like you should... no, I looked into it a bit, but yeah, yeah, I saw the documentary also about it. That's a really good one, actually. Um, and um, 
it's pretty funny how it works to say the least so you have to pay to go up this go up the ladder so to say and to understand how actually you're basically you're just paying for the the next little bit of the novel just like you're paying for netflix to wait for the next season to come and it's like uh i find it so funny that's why i also also take everything with a pinch of salt even though i do believe he's right that drugs should not be the uh, first approach especially when considering stuff like depression as many of the times depression comes from psychological imbalances because you're not having uh, a good balance in your lifestyle or you're not having a fulfillment of what you're doing or you're actually just really sad about something that happened with you and uh and of course just a, a minor uh sometimes situation can just change your complete mindset for a for a long period of time and that of course needs to be handled in the best way possible and i do believe that's what he's saying like drugs are not going to hit you exactly at the source of the problem they're just going to mask a little bit everything around it and uh make you a little bit numb so as you, for you not to think so, so a little bit like uh, avoiding reality by um, shooting yourself with drugs or uh, just drinking a lot of alcohol you're just avoiding confrontation with the problem then talking it out actually coming out and saying that i need help and surrounding yourself with the best people who can actually help you that should be the first approach and that's always how you should try and and, and keep things working for your for yourself like otherwise it'll just be a whole mess of like he's saying like it's going to be a brave new world everybody's just numb obeying to uh, a central entity basically yeah that two things there so the first one i mean the scientology that's fair to be critical against but i will cite that even though i don't like a person i'm not i'm not saying you don't like some crews just in general even if i don't like the fundamental beliefs of a person Tiki still has a very valid things to say. So even though I don't agree with the Scientology thing, this I completely agree with, and you highlighted that as well. So it doesn't like disregard one thing doesn't disregard another. Um, it's not mutually exclusive. The second one is as you highlighted as well, which I agree with. Is I believe in that sense that if there's something that is you're unhappy with in your life that makes you sad, as you said, I think that the feeling that you have is just like depression. It's a thing that you need to make a change. I'm not saying that the change is easy, but obviously there's a lot of people here that live sad lives. And some people don't do anything about it, some people can't do anything about it. But the sad state you find yourself in is supposed to make you want to do something about it. Like I can understand if you work a shit job, um, 9 to 5, you're miserable every day of the... Every hour of the day when you're doing this, you come home, you watch 3 hours of Netflix, you just eat fucking snacks, you don't do anything, nothing excites you. Why would you be happy about the life you're living? It's going to make you sad. So that's just like a very, very surface based example. So I think taking a drug then that you're because you're depressed would not deal with the source. You're just masking the problem as you're referring to. But the understanding, which is easier said than done, what the actual problem is and being, let's say, brave enough to face it, which is difficult, I think is the real thing that needs to be dealt with. And that's not something that we hear being discussed enough. But that's just my take on it personally. I think there if we could do a whole podcast on on what we think would be the right approaches for depression or to deal with it and i, I yeah it's it's always going to be a, a tough one also because it's not the happiest of topics but yeah in general i think there is the most misconceptions scientifically do happen when it comes to human nature and when it comes to psychology and when it comes to to um, psychotherapy as well like how, what works what doesn't work and i think in the near future given the amount of 
or the amount of mental disorder that's that's rising and i've written an article about this i'm slightly mentioning this um yeah it's gonna it's gonna have the main stage or one of the main stages in our next years um but i, I mean i think if it's a the world we find ourselves within today is a big let's say reason for that and it's a, it's hard to say because it's almost like a first world problem like Honestly, in Africa, where my parents grew up, they don't. This sounds really awful, but they do not have the time to be depressed. Like, there's a reason why in the first world or the West, as we call it, depression has been rising, but we don't see the same rise, um, exponential rise in third world countries. Because, in my opinion, they they have tougher shit to deal with. And they're more grateful with like the small things, whereas we have everything. So yet we still spend tens of hours on our phones every week just consuming this dopamine shit just making it worse and it just makes life more difficult so people don't have any fulfillment in life anymore and i don't think that helps either but that's just my very cynical take on it as well just like growing up an african family where like depression has never been a thing and i don't think it doesn't exist like we never i don't think my parents ever had the time growing up in war had the time to be depressed just like you do what you need to do to survive and you move on essentially and there, and being Sweden for them, I would believe is heaven. Whereas me being born in Sweden, I just take it for granted. Like, do you see our world is so completely different? I think that plays a part in like what gives us like the base level of satisfaction in life as well. I like the direction where this is headed, but if we keep going down this road, I'm gonna end up going on a rant, and I'm not sure if I want to do this in this podcast. Yeah, no, no, no. But I just I needed to get that out as well. But yeah, so it I deviated a little bit, but just just like how my worldview, and I just ended with like I am happy as long as my Friends and family close to me are healthy in health. I have my father and mother alive that I'm super grateful for to this day. No, I have all my family members alive. Those base levels of things make me happy and I don't have anything to complain again about as long as I have that. I'm, I'm, I'm fully with you. That's the only thing I'm going to say. If I say anything more, I'm going to get into a yeah. stage. But I <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting amped up as well talking about this. I'm also sure. I wasn't not getting what you mean with like going on a rent. I actually Man, wanted to know what you were about to say. The thing is, okay, I don't want to make this too long. I'm trying to summarize this. My point was, or is... Two-minute pitch. Two-minute pitch. Man, I, I, elevator <laughs> pitch. My my point with, with depression is a bit like Eddie was saying. If you are in rough times, you can't afford doing that because, in my opinion, in those times, you have a purpose. And it, these days, you get to a point where... Uh, your parents are super overprotective and you don't actually have any any idea of what you ha- want to do with your life like i l- looked at one of my brothers now and it's fine like he doesn't he didn't know what degree he wanted to go for and that's also fine but essentially people don't don't experiment enough when they are children or most of the times and it comes to a point where you just feel lost and it's easy to feel lost it's easy to feel like you don't fit in um and all of this can be also reinforced like etty was saying by uh, you watching other people on instagram that seem to have everything sorted out to be physically fit to be super healthy so you feel like you're getting you're, you're getting stuck behind you feel like you're not matching whatever um images of a person from your society and that's only just negative feedback to a situation that's not already not positive and in the end of the day you just feel lost and you come into this downward spiral of uh, i'm worthless or i don't i don't know how to do shit and I'm, I'm i don't know what to do next and yeah in in the end it's no surprise to me that kids these days are just too too soft like if, if you go for it as you Eddie was saying for a time where you have trouble living or 
you have a rough upbringing or your social situation is not the most stable, at least, even if it's not your personal purpose, you have a purpose. You are there to survive. You are there to, to protect your children. Like, you know what you need to do. You're working towards it. You feel like you have a purpose. And just this feeling, even if it comes from a negative situation, just gives you guidance. It provides you with something to live for. Yeah. And yeah, this is... Opinion, Diogo? Oh, yeah, this this is like, uh, as you were saying, a first world problem. If you, if you look, I'm not saying that there's no space for people in Africa or any other countries. Uh, not that Africa is a country, it's a continent, but um, <laughs> that's just for the people that are confused about it. Um, I'm not saying that people in country, in African countries or any other countries that have rough social and political situations do not have room for repression because I think those would be the most justified ones to see people dying and people starving. And that's fucking depressing. And then we have all of these privileged white bitches crying around because they don't have enough followers on Instagram. And of course, I'm oversimplifying the issue that that's, that's, I'm, I'm going to state that I'm oversimplifying the issue, but it's, more I want to, I want to, I want to show you something. Let me just find it. Just Sorry, send it to funny. me. Yeah, I can continue. share it with everybody. Um, yeah, this this was my two minute pitch. I'm not sure if it, this was two minutes. Yeah, no, we agree. What you got, Diogo? Uh, it's about. I mean, I don't know if you guys want to bring this guy I, onto the podcast, but um, and you're the judge. I mean, that. not bringing him. No, I mean, I think it's a, it's a good idea it's just because let me just go to my uh, history. But you guys keep talking. I was just saying, like, um, in terms of what Antonio was saying, I do believe it also the same. I mean, you have a lot of people nowadays who um, are just basically the whole time depressed. And it's quite funny. Not funny, but it's quite visible that this only happens in the in the most developed countries especially countries like uh finland and stuff like that where you also see like the yeah uh, the, the most amount of people want to actually study psychology and uh that's like one of the hardest courses to get into i, I didn't know this uh, unless from a friend of a friend and then I, I thought it was quite funny because it, it kind of goes along with the narrative where people just feel of course there's also other stuff like also playing a part like the fact they don't have many sun hours and Stuff like that that also plays a part, but in the end, it's also about the whole. I'm not. I'm gonna call it matrix, but I don't want to call it matrix. It's just like we invented this whole reality. Like most of the things we do are actually pointless to the like survival of the human being. If you think about it, like, everything that we do. Uh, me as a business analyst, you Eti as a, a also as a, a kind of a business analyst, like different way. Um, Antonio also as a, as an aerospace engineer. Maybe Antonio is probably the one with a highest value uh, in terms of like what to actually produce yeah, to sure. like a, a real world but everything else like the companies we uh, we invent like everything like uh, courtrooms everything else and, and even like being an engineer we don't need it uh, uh um as a as a basis for a good living and everything that we created upon us is just like a whole uh reality that we inflicted on us and it's, i'm not saying it's wrong it's just like we have to entertain ourselves of course in this life but it's just like it, like at the core uh, of the situation is uh, what you're saying. Like we just need some food, and to know that everybody is safe, uh, to, to to make us feel at least somehow happy in terms of like uh, living everyday everyday lives. And that's what happens in, in African countries, I'd say. Where poverty is much much more common, and therefore uh, living day to day is basically everything that they need, and enjoying the every little moment on it is the best thing ever. Like, and we just uh, 
we set out on making a lot of objectives and when stuff is on actually going on, on, on the best way possible, then we can get depressed. And as I was saying, like these small situations that can also happen, these can also uh, uh, affect you a, a big time. But in the end, because we have everything else settled for, uh, we can focus on trying to tackle these problems and we maybe focus a lot of energy on it because if you had to hunt for food, we would never think about it. I have a theory. Yeah. I, never, I wrote... No, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I have a theory and I hope I've, I'm proven correct, which is I feel I shouldn't start this with I feel from my point of view, people get into this depressive state and I, I kind of see a trend line, which is people that get into a depressive state are more often than not people that don't have uh, or haven't been able to establish meaningful social uh, networks. And when I say meaningful, it's not the amount of followers you have on Instagram. It's uh, family ties and friend ties. If you look at, uh, let's say, South America or African countries, um, I, I see stronger ties between families and, and groups of friends or groups of people. And in general, you might not have much, but what you have, you share and people share back. And it's always a giving community. Uh, and you come to Europe or the US and everybody's become so so much more digital that people just grow apart. And I think what takes this home was also, or this point home was also some conversation I was having with somebody yesterday. Uh, this girl had done a um, semester Erasmus in Latvia, uh, which is in the northern part of Europe for those who do not know um, European geography, so closer to Scandinavian countries. And she was saying that she was walking on the street and she wanted a bit of help from somebody direction because she was not a local and people just avoided her because they didn't want the social interaction. Um, so it's, I, I would argue that it's not by chance that if uh, the nor the more north you go to Europe, it's also knowingly the people that are most socially awkward when it comes to talking to strangers. And if you don't have this natural uh, affinity to talking to other people and being social, then it's also more prone for you to be not only more curious about what makes people tick, so psychology, as Diogo was saying, but also to basically feel insecure because you don't get you don't get meaningful validation, you don't get meaningful social interaction. You're just in a you're alone, basically. Yeah, that that was that is my my point of view, my theory. Yeah, no, no, no I'm I'm with you on that. But I also think, and I've, I actually wrote an article about this, which I haven't sent to you guys yet. But just like leaving room, you should not have too much. Small problems are like a thing here, and I think if you make too many small problems a thing. You won't have space for real big problems, which is like stop worrying about trivial stuff that doesn't mean anything. Oh, you see, as you said, you see this thing on social media, you see other people be happy, you're at home sitting doing nonsense or whatever, and that makes you sad. What? Who cares when, let's say, you might lose a parent or something? Like, this is saying, what is it like? A healthy person wants a thousand things, and a sick man only wants one thing. And it's like this is this is the way the world works right now. People have no perspective at all. And I'm this this is no slight on just people being depressed, but in general, like we live in a very soft society where people have lost like mm -hmm. sense of perspective of like how good they actually have it, and it pisses me off at times, as you can tell in my voice. Um, but yeah, yeah good so I just send it to you. Yeah, let me just open it. Where did you send it to? To the chat. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In the, yeah. In the do you yeah. know which? Are we supposed to watch this all of it or just a part of it? It's a YouTube short. Ah, okay. so, yeah. 
I actually watched a really interesting documentary about a girl in the 1970s who was in a plane crash and the plane crashed and everyone died except for her. She woke up, still in the seat, next to her decapitated mother and dead bodies all around her. She got up, she foraged for food, she had some cuts and bruises, one of them got an infection. For four days she was surviving the jungle before she was succumbing to the fever she had from the infection. She laid down ready to die and got found by some local people which nursed her back to health. She ended up going back to Germany. She was a German girl. And they said, well, what happened afterwards? She goes, well, I went to Germany and my dad obviously thought I was dead, but I wasn't. So uh, he told me to get a job and I got a job and uh, that's it, carried on with life. And literally they asked her, well, didn't you do therapy? And her reply was, no, in those days we didn't do therapy. That bitch has been through more shit than you will ever go through, more shit than I've ever been through. And she didn't need fucking therapy. So why do you need therapy? Because you're a pussy. They had to me about that. Honestly, like the core concept, what I mentioned this week, people don't like Tate because of like how he says it, because it's very brazen. But if you just take out the like how he says it and listen to the actual mm -hmm. content, it's true. It's generally true. So you just disregard being offended and listen to what's actually being said, and it makes sense as well. Um, I completely agree with that statement. Honestly, like people don't realize how fucking good they have it, and it really riles me up. Yeah, honestly. Honestly, a therapy, like, if you, I have respect for people that need therapy, does, everybody does differently. I do not want to sit around walking around all day and talk about my problems. Personally, I, and people can be like, even here in Sweden, when I talk to people, they're like, oh, but you don't seem to have any problems. I'm like, no, but if I did, why would I talk about them all the time? It's like, the, I have to go through the process of reliving that moment over and over again. It's exhausting for me personally. And it really depends on how deep it is. If you feel you need to talk to somebody, I really strongly suggest you do. But, it's really subjective. Like I hear people saying, "Oh, but have you talked to somebody about that?" No, everything does not need to be talked about, in my opinion. Um, and I think a therapy is more of a, like a new age thing, which has been very beneficial. But as he said, if she can survive that, then mean words on the internet are nothing. Like seriously, turn off the phone, log off. Yeah, just like um, you. You also also once told me this, and I think it was on a podcast that you don't experience racism because you just don't have any people around you who are racist and you just keep, no, keep away from them. Thank you. Yeah, people ask me, don't you experience racism? I get this, like, sometimes I, it's an interesting question which I can understand people want to know, but I'm just like, I don't hang around low IQ people, so I don't experience racism. I don't put myself exactly. in that position. It's the same, same Honestly, principle. It's that simple. Same principle. Yeah, it's that simple. Oh man, I love that yeah. argument. I don't, I, don't, I don't hang out with dumb friends. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it gets more complicated than that. Really. Okay, it's true. Should should we move forward, or do you guys want to? Yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah. Like we could we could yeah, change yeah, the course should. of this podcast, but at least I think it was now clear that we all feel very, or we all have a very intense opinion about this, and uh, I think it also emulates or it shows a bit of what's the matter of everything else we're gonna we're gonna say because this is a matter that everybody can have an opinion about because everybody could be depressed or everybody knows somebody that's depressed um and then i think science progressively gets more abstract up to the point where people say oh i'm not i, I don't know enough about this so maybe it's i'm also going to make it this this question uh or i'm going to ask it maybe we are not uh knowledgeable enough to discuss this but still we are so we are embodying the own people that we are criticizing which would be kind of ironic but yeah it's an oxymoron but it's like i think you can say it about anything and we, we reach ridiculous stages where like i do not need to be a scientist to be able to tell that a man cannot get pregnant like there i said it like i i know i don't need to do a study for that like some things do not require 
you to be a scientist, no matter how you want to say, oh, but you're a biologist. No, I don't need to be one. Okay, I would just I would just go and say that you do know that men are not naturally meant to be pregnant, but now with the technology we have, you know, X and Y chromosome, you cannot but, get pregnant. But with, okay. with the new medicine technology, you can actually make that you can make that work. Yeah, but you said as you said, new medicine technology. This is not our natural, okay? <laughs> and I I stick to nature and what I believe. What do you mean with the with medical help? No. Well, medical, well you, you can in the same way you can do uh, a gender change you can also have like a uterus implant right and then you can bear. you can you i think you i think you meant that like if a woman transitions to a man as a man that woman can still get pregnant isn't or i didn't know you can implant the uterus no i don't think you can I would I would need I to know. research this and I would probably post some something here. I don't think I don't I'm going to say it. I don't think can. I'm qualified enough to talk about this at this point. No, I am not qualified to talk about this. You can insert the uterus, but I'm qualified enough to know that if you have an X and Y chromosome, you cannot get pregnant naturally. Na- yeah, well, that I would agree. Naturally, it's that's the that's the rule yeah. of life. Unless you're a seahorse. All right. If you're a seahorse, you can do that. Yeah, but let's not get into seahorses and the um, stray man arguments. Okay, um, let's get back to it because I, I didn't want to go, go get sidetracked. I think the best analogy, yeah. the best analogy I would have for uh, <clears throat> science knowledge that gets overthrown by new knowledge would be, and I want, I don't want to make, make this too nerdy. It would be the Hubble versus James Webb telescope for the people that are, I'm going to summarize it for the people that do not know it. So essentially. A couple of decades ago, we sent a, a telescope into space called the Hubble Telescope. It's, a, it's named after a scientist. Um, it was very, very famous at the time. Essentially, this telescope was meant to explore deep space and take pictures of deep, deep space. So we got very cool pictures like the ones I'm showing you now. At least the one on the left is the picture from, from the Hubble Telescope with the best technology that was at the time. And then I think at around 1999, they started developing uh, the Webb Telescope. So the technology that is actually now in space is from 1999 and the years afterwards. So it's not actually like the leading edge technology anymore, but that doesn't matter because now we get pictures like the one on the right. And you can see that it looks very similar, at least in the main attributes, but you get way more information. So in a couple of decades difference, you you get way more information and an image that seemed like it gave you um, enough enough information to define a truth then gets further detailed and you say like wait a second this is not how i imagine there are way more stars in this constellation or they are that is completely different so my, my point here is not to go all nerdy about uh space technology my my point here is in science what often happens is you have an understanding of a situation with the information you have and then some new technology or some new researcher sheds some light into something you haven't uh, had a chance to see before and you can then directly or completely change your your perspective or or your understanding of something just because you get more information this, this has been normal throughout the years it's, it's normal that you theorize something and that it, you get disproven and something new and better appears um, but somehow people get stuck on the thing that gets disproven and say like oh the other guy was full of bullshit we were talking about Tom Cruise think about it he might have uh, some, I would say, hard to swallow thoughts or stances like Scientology or other things, but it doesn't mean that all of what he says is bullshit. Yeah, exactly. 
And I think I think also not only that, but in general, um, I think the best part because we're not Americans, like I take like a neutral stance on this. It's like you have the the Democrats and the Republicans, whatever, and I don't care if anybody liberal or conservative. I couldn't give a rat's ass about that. But people cannot like listen to a single opinion of the of a person on the other side because they dislike that side. And knowing that because you don't agree on the fundamental point, there can still be some things that are true, even though you might not agree about certain things. And I think that gets lost in discussion where it's like, oh, you have this opinion, I don't want to hear you talk. And that, that thing, that's where we lose the ability to have discourse, a healthy discourse nowadays. Well, let's, let's actually jump into a very, uh, I would say, intense topic. Let's jump into COVID vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Because like, yeah. uh, let's do a parallel. When we started, when this whole pandemic started, I'd say like three years ago, because it was 2019, that's why it's COVID-19 for the ones that still don't get it. Um, basically, there was nothing known about this. Of course, the COVID, the strain was not new, but this specific uh, type, was it, it was new and vaccines were not prepared for this. So people rushed to do it because it was a world pandemic. And it, I think, is undeniable that it brought a lot of people to their deaths. Um, but it's not... I'd say it's not not unnormal or not unconventional that a lot of medical knowledge will then trail behind all of the development that was made. I think in the end, for instance, that's, that's my own opinion, uh, that vaccinations, at least in the beginning, do, did help in preventing a lot of deaths. And then people started uh, jumping into the bandwagon of what if these vaccines are harmful for us in the long term? What if they are harmful for us now? And of course, these are valid questions that scientists couldn't answer uh, I'll say super clearly because you don't have enough years of study and these type of things take a lot, some time generally. Um, and so that, those are fair questions. But then you you get to a point where people try to seek for confirmation bias to to something that validates their point. So somebody dies from a vaccine. You see vaccines are dangerous. This this shit is going to kill us all. You should You should just go to the jungle and build a hut and be isolated. I don't know. Um, it gets to a point where Everybody is a scientist without having a scientific approach. Yeah, that I agree with. But it's also, as I touched upon like before the podcast, where people that have held a strong, let's say, opinion about something um, are not held accountable to it. And I don't, I don't mean that you cannot change your opinion because I didn't really believe winners adapt. Um, but if you said one thing, then I think there's different ways of like retracing, pretending that you never had the previous opinion when let's say the the science has changed around it is wrong, which I feel is why people feel deceived and the loss of trust for government is completely like in the bottom. Like, if, as low as it's been in a long time there as well. You have like politicians saying, oh, we never said that um, you should be locked up, which is a complete absolute lie. And I don't believe like how they can even say that without uh, like believing it themselves. Um, you had the conception that you couldn't get COVID when you got the vaccine. Then suddenly it was just, just reducing the spread, and then then it was just like to protect yourself, whatever. We had all the different things, and I'm not denying that some of it has been like true to a certain extent. Where yes, it might have produ- prevented deaths, but that was not like the initial message that we had. And then we have politicians saying, "Oh, we never said that you could not get COVID from get, after you had the vaccine," which is a lie as well. So I think just think that this like. This constant shifting of goalposts um, is what is tiring a lot of people out, personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with COVID vaccination, I think it's quite interesting. Um, 
because I'm also studying, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm never, never, never have I said that I, I was not like a, I was like an anti-vaxxer. I actually do believe a lot in medicine. Uh, I mean, it would be quite a, a hypocrite of me if I don't, if I didn't with two, uh, doctor, like, um, parents who are doctors, but like, the real thing about this issue is that many of the people were just like calling bullshit on the vaccine without even knowing or without even trusting PhD graduates who've been studying mRNA and, and stuff like that for the last 30 years every day for the, every day of their lives. And of course, like in big times of disruption, technology moves forward really quickly and the amount of money that was poured into the vaccinations uh, was in the order of billions of dollars uh, and if not worldwide in the, in the, in the order of the trillion dollars because we never know about the other countries like China and Russia. But in the end, what I, what I have to say is that um, we should not just be compelled to criticize everything just because it's new and be more open to also uh, um, just get acquainted with, with new stuff. And, and of course, it's going to be something that will only have, probably have the next five years to see if it actually uh, has a problem and like COVID vaccination will have a problem. But I think there will never be... Um, a real interest in the terms of all, of all the governments to just uh, make everyone sick because the people are uh, society's uh, best and only asset. And I think that's the, also the key reason why any government will only have the best interest to uh, keep everyone healthy. And therefore, I think the, the thorough, I believe the thorough investigations that went on to the, the COVID vaccinations are definitely uh, something that I would trust on. I don't know, that's my opinion. No, I mean, I think I think it's fair you said that you shouldn't be naturally be critical of something new, which I agree with, although it's the natural inclination of humans to go against something new because it goes against the comfortability as a whole. Um, you see that in Innovator's Dilemma as well. But also, I think it's a little bit dangerous because you need the critical side for it to be like a healthy discussion, to have an open, healthy discourse. Then, obviously, how you manage that is different. If you just re- refuse to listen to the other side, no matter what side it is, it becomes a problem. I like to joke that like if you take, if you listen to both sides, you can take in twice as much information, which is normally not the case um, in this in this situation or in general here as well. Um, I, I think it's fair what you're saying, uh, but I also think it's fair to be critical against the vaccination and the anti-vaxxer movement, which I don't like because it it's able to divide by calling people anti-vaxxers, um, but not being for vaccines is not a fringe move anymore. I always said, I personally, um, I took the vaccine, but I've always been for the freedom of choice. I never liked the idea of pressuring people to take something they don't want in their body. Because the same people that press people to take vaccines um, then are like discussing abortion, abortion laws. I'm just like, don't you see any oxymoron here? Like, my body, my choice works for one thing, but it doesn't work for another. So I think people should be very careful with like how they convey their opinions or force opinion on others. I think people forget how the scientific process works and also they forget the power that the public opinion has on science. And I'm going to use this as a segue for the next topic. But my, my first point was people forget how the scientific process works in the sense that many, if not all of the things we've done today have at some point failed in the past. Look, look at, let's look at bridges. 
bridges is something we take for granted because they are just there and we use them and we cross a channel of water and it's easy. There are incidents of bridges just breaking off in the 70s and the 80s because they didn't take account, into account aerodynamic effects. So in general, while building a bridge is, is fairly now now fairly straightforward process in terms of uh, how you should do it and what you need to take into account, in the past it was it was still trial and error. The same goes for uh, any other vehicle. Like people do prototypes because it's their first concept. It's gonna be something's going to be overlooked. Of course, then when you get to vaccines, this is way more dangerous and you still have clinical trials with animals and what whatever with control people. But still, you need to do the, this process of trial and error to see where your deficiencies are. The thing with COVID is the scientific process due to the urgency of the situation was just sped up and in the end um, might, not, might not have been ideal. Um, but still, I think people forget forget about the that it's part of a scientific process and i'm not saying that the lives of ones are left are less worth less than the lives of the other but in general that's how history have, has gone so far and if you think about it where we stand right now is a very privileged situation when you compare it with 30 years ago where people thought that uh, we were discussing this before the podcast that that there would be no more ice in the poles that there would be no more oil like the point we are at now is very privileged we have our own problems nowadays, but in 30 years, the problems are going to be completely different. Science is going to still co continue to evolve in the same way. And and public opinion needs to be, now in the second point, needs to be very carefully measured by people that in fact do uh, their own research. And I think, well, let's put it this way. You hear about hear a lot about the do your own research topic when you talk about crypto, but this is originally coming from science. You need to look at the sources, look at whoever the fuck investigated something, look at whoever was um, financing them, because Etty was mentioning it also might matter that if pe if people have other coercions besides their own own their own interests interests like money, money is what's driving everybody. Um, at the end of the day. In general, public opinion can cancel also some technological development. And my next subject would be, for instance, for nuclear energy. Let's challenge the status quo and say that maybe nuclear energy is just the cheapest and the one with the least, with the smallest footprint of all of the energy, all the ways we can generate energy. What would you guys say about that? Yeah, I mean, it refers, I think, to the charts. Um, uh, indeed, we you were going to pull up. We later. have charts. That is um, a simple we, chart of. Yeah. Yes. Um, so obviously, it was exponential in the beginning here in regards to growth before, obviously, regulation. Um, which exact year was Chernobyl again? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's Googling Chernobyl it now. Chernobyl is 86. 1986. Okay, exactly. That's good. Exactly. So after that incident, which understandably spooked a lot of people, because as we've touched upon prior to the podcast, when something like this happens, it doesn't only affect the country that it happens to, it affects all the neighboring country as well as the nuclear waste spreads. But obviously this has scared a lot of people and regulation just killed the innovation of that time in regards to nuclear. And this can be applied to other technologies as, again, because the main idea here where they were using this is that if regulation hits the technological innovation cycle too early, then it's not to say clear that it will actually have its say this exponential growth. Um, so yeah, but I think nuclear 
I believe it. I don't know enough about it, but nuclear obviously was very efficient at that point. But if we didn't have Chernobyl happen, we probably would have a such more wider use of it now as we have right now. I would assume so. But well, the the reason why I took us this way was because yeah, this, like it, it's it's a given fact that nuclear energy plays around with radioactive elements, which are dangerous. And if there is an incident like Chernobyl, it's not only this country is going to be affected; it's the whole world because the radioactive dust gets into the atmosphere and gets spread around the whole earth, so everybody's affected. So that that's that shit. But look, take a look at Chernobyl, and it was in '86, so it's almost 40 years ago. Let's say 45 years ago. Mm-hmm. 35 years ago. It's the same time. If if I look at cell phones and computers at that time, it's ridiculous the difference that we have to now. So my, my point being, technology and science has evolved a long long way. And I also want to I also want to show you an image. Um, let me just search it really quick to see if I can find it. Basically, there was, yeah, this is an image of all of the nuclear waste that Central uh, uh, Nuclear Power Plant in Switzerland has produced in 45 years. It fits in this room. 45 years of nuclear waste fits. There's the person there for scale. But this is 45 years of nuclear waste of a nuclear power plant in Switzerland. And if you look at the amount of material that is spent, for instance, on renewables and also the environmental impact it has on species, uh, for by doing a hydroelectric da- dam or by doing those uh, wind turbines, um, the amount of material you use for in this amount of di- these forty-five years is going to be ridiculously bigger to generate the same amount of power. So th- this is, for instance, one of one of the reasons why I'm I'm challenging my own beliefs that nuclear is bad because we think about these accidents and about it being radioactive, and we've seen all the movies where people just skin melts off and all of these horrible stories. But in general, this plant has been running for 45 years. This is all the waste it has produced. No accidents happened. I think Chernobyl was one of the the only ones that that inf- was very unfortunate. Um, but since no, you also have Fukushima, Fukushima in 2007. That was the problem. That's why, for example, Germany did did a transition and called nuclear energy off after Fukushima. Of course, there's always the risk of having of having a, a disaster. But there's actually, I'm going to link. I'm not going to watch it here because it's a full TED talk, but I'm going to link to this TED talk to anybody who's interested. This guy also shows a chart that I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to trace now, where he shows the amount of accidents you have, um, I think it's by running hour, uh, with power plants and and with everything else, with its competitors, oil and all of that. And essentially, it's, it's like night and day. Of course, that when you have an accident with a nuclear power plant, it's going to be way more serious. Um, but even even the Fukushima one did. I'm I'm not super into it. Now. It was 2011. 2011, but did it have any global impact, or was it just a risk? Uh, the problem with Fukushima was the was the same problem that I, like it was one of the biggest earthquakes in history. I don't know if you remember. It was actually on my birthday in 2011, um, and the earthquake basically I think caused this whole um, this whole plan to be. Um, I think it was partially destroyed, not completely. And therefore, they also had to contain and, and, and also try and solve the problem. But it's always, a, it's always a huge problem when something goes south. That's, that's the only problem with nuclear energy. I think it's really clean. And of course, in terms of like nuclear waste and people know how to handle nuclear waste, we can, 
I would, I would not argue that's a problem. We just have to build this really thick ass walls to uh, incarcerate everything in. But after that, it is uh, very, very clean. And um, the only problem if, if, it is if it's one of these little bits of waste actually gets uh, lost in the process or if there's a major explosion which just releases radioactive elements into the air. And we've seen Chernobyl. Chernobyl had a really long history of complications in people with people who are being born with uh, lack of limbs, with too many limbs, with uh, all sorts of issues and altering their DNAs. And um, that, of course, is something that you cannot overlook simply um as it is as it does consist like a, a big risk to yourself imagine if you were living uh, uh somewhere near lisbon and they're going to open up a, a nuclear power plant like 20 minutes away from from town would you still want to live there that's it's kind of like the the reasoning behind it but you don't need to have a nuclear power plant in lisbon that's that's the beauty of it you can just have it in the middle of nowhere i think with japan so like, I, I, mean, I, I, like I was in the middle of uh you could put uh, it water in, you could put it in the middle of actually water is 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 known to be neutralizing of of uh, radioactive elements so it's not like a super stupid idea to maybe put it in water just uh, a big effort that's what i was saying yeah but i was actually reading a bit on fukushima and it was indeed a very serious accident that involved them evacuating 20 kilometers around the power plant because essentially the the earthquake broke all of their conventional power supply that cooled the power plant so they had generators but then there was a tsunami that fuck the generators up so they had no way to cool the um, the reaction and they had free nuclear melt meltdowns and some hydrogen explosions so it like there was radioactive uh, um elements being released into the atmosphere so it was very very serious and uh, um i understand the point of people that say that it's it's fucking dangerous but at the same time um i think we are at the standpoint where we can use this into our favor. We do, for instance, Japan is known for having mm-hmm. earthquakes, so it's a risk area. Um, I would see Japan, for instance. This is the problem with also having a lot of countries in the world and each one having their own government. I would see, for instance, uh, some country which is safer in terms of earthquakes having the power plant and just exporting energy to Japan. But this is also, of course, having political impacts and it's not as easy as, as just describing it like this my, my, my point being um we are now heading into a direction which is which might at least according to this guy and i i invite you to research it further might have more environmental impacts than uh or equally equally bad and uh, yeah, fossil yeah. fuels and i'm just challenging the status quo by saying maybe maybe nuclear energy is not that bad france has been using it for ages and they don't really care about what the rest of europe says and they have cheap energy in general, Germany now is kind of in the shit just because it depends so much on Russia and having these uh, political issues with the war happening in Ukraine. Now, energy prices are expected to go up. Actually, you know what Germany did? Germany postponed the shutdown of... Uh, they cocked themselves. No, no, G- Germany postponed <laughs> the shutdown of uh, nuclear power plants. Yeah, oh, they because did. they wanted yeah, to make yeah, energy they cheaper. Had to. They had to. Yeah, clown world. About time. So... That's, that's why I wrote an article. They were swayed by the energy policy of a Swedish teenager. How dare you? <laughs> like, come on. Oh, are we shitting? Are we shitting on Greta now? I mean, this like this emotional getting so swayed about somebody like that has been in school and knows not no offense, but like listening to a fourteen-year-old that doesn't know about the, impl- the true cost yeah, of like, energy think, and yeah. being swayed, like like get see like this. This is why I said this world is not serious. Like what she did is great, and I'm. 
I would encourage people to like pursue their passions and like really go for it. But like, if you have like forty years of experience and you get swayed by a, I don't know how old she was, fourteen, sixteen at the time, you need to get serious, honestly. I think this is a very ni- a nice note. I, 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 let's try to wrap this up. I think we went a bit deep in some of the topics, especially depression. But uh, I would like to go for some take-home thoughts, and one of them is just building on what you just said, which is um, the the how deep people do their own research. And I, I think I was the proof of that. Like I didn't know that much about Fukushima, and maybe I should have researched it before pitching this uh, this TED talk. Um, how how far or how deep people do their own research is limited by how patient they are into researching a given topic. And let's let's face it, if you want to research a topic, you need to read, and you need to read not just one reference. You need to read a couple of them. You need to think about a topic, get your own get your own ideas straight. Uh, also, be analytical on what might be a fair point on what might be a biased point. And in the end, you can say like. Oh, I feel like I'm knowledgeable. No, not, not going, I'm not going to say expert, but I feel like knowledgeable enough to discuss this topic. And then you can have an informed, fact-based uh, opinion on whatever. Let's say depression, like any of the topics we discussed today. Um, but most of the times people just read a tweet, read a headline, and that's enough for them to get their, I would say, their life experience, which I'm not going to say is invalid because you learn things in school, you learn things as you live. And then you just have an Im- more emotional, less less um, conscious opinion or stance on something. And that's dangerous. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'll add to that. Uh, I think the tweet, tweet thing is a very good one. I'll also recommend anybody no matter what opinion you have of any subject, so if you, let's say, do economics, if you believe in Keynesian theory, you should follow some people that have so believes in Austrian economy. If you are, a, I don't know, Bitcoin propagator, you should believe in people that are, you should follow people that are also anti-Bitcoin because it gives you a healthy discourse to understand why they believe what they do. And, it, like, and if you believe differently, you should always know your, let's say, your opponent's argument because it gives you better room to, let's say, discuss around as well mm-hmm. also when it comes to research um to touch upon a bit part of the podcast but i'll go briefly into it and it also goes into like financial investments as well but as much as it comes when it comes to scientific research what are the incentives behind the, um, the research so we do finance for instance if somebody writes an article about tesla stock or is this person invested in tesla stock do they have a personal stake in it if it's a scientific article, who funds it and why is it funded? I told Antonio before, and you can always be, play the devil's advocate in this, where if I'm a scientist and I'm getting funded by the government, um, and I know if I don't study this specific, specific topic, I won't get funded. And obviously, I will be more biased to look for, let's say, these type of answers as well, because that is my bread and butter that will feed my family. So what are the incentives to just like ask these fundamental questions that makes you believe what you want to believe, I think would give you a bigger 360 view of what the research is actually about. Mm-hmm. Diogo? Yeah, well, definitely. I also think that. Um, I don't have a lot to add, actually. I was kind of lost for words of what you were saying. But um, <laughs> that's what I believe in. Like, um, We definitely live in a challenging time. Uh, a lot of information comes to our feet every day. We even if you know, even if you don't ask for it, it just just comes bumping right into us in various different ways, especially with advertising. 
with social media, everything else that's out there that's actually pushing a lot of information to be out there. And we just have to be very careful with what we analyze. And especially regarding with science, I think it's, uh, like Antonio was saying, like, do your own research is super important. Know exactly who your sources are and if they're trustworthy or not and um, what you should do about it as well. And surrounding yourself with people who also give you only these trustworthy uh, um, sources is also something that I also believe uh, is quite important because I also believe that, for example, when Antonio or Eti, when you guys send me something, I know it's going to be from someone who's uh, like a good source at least because I know you guys and, I know, and and of course we all know that we like to be kept within the truth and uh, we will not share any fake information without first checking that everything's all right. Most people are not like this, they just indiscriminately uh, send everything out and, and start spreading many of the news and this of course uh, is not helpful at all and makes us criticize of course uh, many, many things which should many times be criticized. You kind of, are you being a topic of conversation? You kind of summarized a bit of the problem, I would say, behind scientific misconceptions, which is you are in a group where you trust the people that feed you the information, but maybe these people do not always feed you information that is correct. I think I talked about this. I mean, to you're you talking know. about the scientific, uh, scientific like community. Like I'm, t I'm telling you. No, just in general yeah. bias. I'm telling you, like you told, mm. you told, you told just everybody. If you got some message from me on Etty, you trust it more because you feel like we've probably put research into it, so you're trusting our judgment. But doesn't that happen for everybody else in the world where they have a group of friends and somebody says? uh some bullshit and everybody says, "Oh, this guy is trustworthy." I mean, I so said you too. I said you too. I didn't say my whole group of friends. <laughs> no, that, that's fine. What I'm saying is that in the so same that's... way you, you have a, a core group of friends from which you get information you trust, there might be people which are under the same assumption. The difference being that the friends that they trust maybe do not do the rightful research and just push bullshit. I talked about this in the last, in the last podcast. Yeah, and, also the, and, and also don't do it the, the, their own research. It's also the same thing. It's a, it's a very different... Uh, even a, a plain, uh, plain, you say plain? Yeah, no. playing field. Playing field, yeah. I mean, to be honest, if I want to spread chaos in the world, I'll just spread misinformation for fun. <laughs> I mean, I. I Key takeaway. Key takeaway from it. Yeah, I mean, for sure, there's people that do this. For sure, I mean, there's trolls out there. And if I was like, okay, I don't give a shit anymore, I'm just gonna like troll people, I'll just spread the most ridiculous news and just see how how many people I can catch as bait. Mm -hmm. And it happens, I mentioned it in the last podcast with the Costco thing, with even like the House of Republican, whatever, shared it in the end. And media, uh, yeah, like media stations started sharing it because so one person wanted to like spread some chaos. John W. Rich Kid, whatever, on Twitter, he said like the day before, tomorrow is going to be a big day and you're going to see the chaos I'm going to bring. And then he, he tweeted, breaking Costco raises the prices of their hot dogs. It has like, like been rising mm -hmm. for like the past 40 years. And it causes chaos. So that's what I mean. If you just want to have fun, I'll just spread me the misinformation. Because you can. Yeah, we can. It's super easy. Yeah, it, it's, it's so easy. And people think it's fun. So, I mean, that's also a problem. But yeah. At the end of the day, the only way to protect yourself... Uh, you, you guys just watched these two other fellow Manix guys just saying that they can't spread chaos at will. So... What's stopping everybody else that you're consuming information from from doing the same? Fucking be critical about what you read. Read a lot. I know it's boring, but read a lot. Be critical about what you read and make your your own mind. Okay? Especially Do that if you for want me. To share with others. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good that's a good takeaway. That's a good takeaway, Antonio. We'll leave it at that then. Yeah, yeah. then I guess this is goodbye for today.
See you next time. It is. It is. Yeah, don't forget to check us out at manix.com as well. And like and subscribe. Yeah, I forgot about that, Eddie. Thank you. (laughs) Check out our Instagrams as well. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. See ya. Bye.